Welcome to the Cruising and Campfires podcast. I'm your host, Kimberly Crossland, a non-outdoorsy but wildly camping-obsessed mom. I created this podcast as a way to connect with other camping-loving families just like ours who might not always feel the most equipped for that hardcore adventuring you often see. It's here that I share my personal experiences, my personal lessons learned, and also interview other travelers who have exciting stories to tell. Let's dive in. On today's show, I have Chuck Bartlebaugh. Chuck Bartlebaugh is the founder and director of the Be Bear Aware campaign, formerly known as the Center for Wildlife Information. For over 40 years, Chuck has been a dedicated force in educating the public on bear avoidance safety techniques and wildlife stewardship. But in Chuck's early days, he was a semi-professional race car driver. He's always been an avid outdoorsman, though, and he loved to photograph wildlife and their natural landscapes. He's done an enormous amount of hiking and camping across North America, and through it all, he found that he truly admired bears. In his quest to learn more about bears, he was led to the Arctic for polar bears and the coast of Alaska and British Columbia for the brown bears, and even to the interior for grizzlies and black bears. It was during his trips to national parks and forests that he noticed that visitors really don't know how to enjoy the wildlife, especially bears, safely and responsibly. The more he watched, the more he saw people attempt to approach and interact with the wildlife or get too close for the sake of a photograph. He also noticed people feeding the bears. This led Chuck and to research and document the human-wildlife conflicts and their causes. Throughout his career, which started in the late 1980s, Chuck coordinated extensive studies, the first of which was for visitor, of visitors at the Yellowstone National Park. That study was published in the Yellowstone Science Publication, Winter 1994 edition, and it revealed that people had little or no information, or they had wrong information about how to safely view and photograph wildlife. Chuck took the study further and included monitoring television shows and advertisements and books and magazines and found that they were a major source of misinformation. They often promoted getting up close and personal with wildlife. It was clear that the public needed to receive clear, concise, and consistent wildlife stewardship and bear avoidance safety information. In 1991, Chuck established the National Bee Bear Aware Campaign, where he worked closely with different committees and biologists and specialists and campground hosts and wildlife and land management agency personnel to determine the issues that they faced and what they needed to correct them. He spent many hours interviewing hunters and anglers and other outdoor recreation enthusiasts because he firmly believed that those people who have the heritage of working and creating, recreating safely and responsibly in the outdoors were the best source of information. In 1998, the Yellowstone Subcommittee of the Interagency Grizzly Bear Committee asked Chuck to prepare and review a report on the questions surrounding bear spray. You're going to hear more about bear spray in this podcast, but Chuck was really able to identify the appropriate way to use the bear spray and relay his findings to the public in a way that was easily understood. In addition, he trained, he developed training protocol for hunters and hikers and agency personnel and the general public on how and when to use the bear spray. Chuck is especially proud of the campaign's Train the Trainer program, which provides adults and older youth with the training and presentation skills to teach younger members of their organizations, schools, and communities the appropriate safety and wildlife stewardship techniques to avoid the conflicts with these wild animals. Graduates of the training program in turn train others to become trainers. Chuck and the Be Bear Aware campaign have been recognized by past presidents, the Arizona Department of Game and Fish, New Mexico Department of Game and Fish, the Interagency Grizzly Bear Committee, and it's also received the Northern Regional Forester Award. 
The Bear Avoidance and Wildlife Stewardship Training Program he developed has been acknowledged by the Congressional Record and is now being used by youth groups and school teachers nationwide. I cannot tell you how valuable this conversation is, and I'm so thrilled for you to listen in, so let's get right to it. Chuck, thank you so, so much for joining us today. I cannot think of a more important message to send to any families who are heading to bear country to go camping. So um, I've already read your introduction, so we have a little bit of background about us but I, or about you, and I just would love to start off by getting to know a little bit more about what has led, what led you to wanting to go and learn more about bears specifically. Well, that's kind of an odd answer going to be. I used to race cars, and I was about to race in Indianapolis when I lost my opportunity to, due to the oil embargo, and so I wanted to do something else, and our family always went to Northern Michigan to look for bears and uh, see if we could find them and so forth. And I said, I'm gonna find out more about bears in North America. And I got involved, I got involved with the recovery of the grizzly bear, which was almost gone from the lower 48 states. Uh, just to clarify, the grizzly bear is actually a North American brown bear. And that would include the Alaskan brown bear, the Kodiak brown bear, and so forth. We call it grizzly out here because of Lewis and Clark, mountain men, and the Native Americans, and so forth. And I, I'm kind of a traditionalist, and the grizzly bear name, though it's folklore, kind of sticks with me when I'm down in the lower 48 states or Western Canada. Oh, interesting. I like that. That's very, very interesting. So you got, you got started and you have such a rich background of just using your curiosity, which I absolutely love to go and get to know more about the animals, get to know more about the human interaction with the animals and specifically with the bears. And so that's what we're talking about today. I really feel passionately that this is a very important topic for families who are going camping. I know a lot of families who take their young children camping, specifically tent camping, and they get very nervous about, you know, going outside at night if someone has to use the restroom or, or how they balance all of that. So I'm hoping that this message and all the lessons that you're, you're about to give to us, that's going to help ease some of those fears, but more importantly, keep them extra safe. You had mentioned to me before we started recording that, um, that there's already been two fatalities this year with humans because of bears. Is that right? Or that interaction with bears? Yes, a fishing guide outside of West Yellowstone accidentally ran into a grizzly bear that had just killed a moose or a moose calf. And oh. then down in Colorado, a woman walking her dog in the neighborhood was taken down by a black bear. And oh my goodness. And, and these incidents do happen more than people think. And it's partially because people aren't prepared for these situations. And, and quite frankly, you can't always be 100% prepared, but we mm -hmm. certainly need to be better prepared. Uh, kind of a warning year was last year in the local newspaper, the Missoulian, there was two or three articles about tourists coming out, new summer residents, um, year-round residents that were new that really did not have a clue about how to be safe around wildlife. And the bear is one of those that gives us a, a false impression. It can look real cuddly and playful and not a threat at all. And that's probably the most dangerous bear because people put their guard down and assume that that is not a dangerous bear. Yeah. Now, of course, it can also 
be a dangerous bear in all kinds of appearance. And then we can get our bear spray or a firearm. I prefer bear spray uh, ready uh, to use and help protect ourselves and protect a bear at the same time. Yes, absolutely. So let's dig right into that, especially with the bear spray specifically, because you've got a lot of great content on your YouTube channel. So I have that linked in our show notes, highly encourage all the families to go and watch it. But, um, let's start talking about before you even leave the house. So you talk a huge amount about preparation, which I definitely advocate for as well. What do you say to families who want to prepare ahead of camping just to be as safe as possible when they're out there? What do they need to bring what do they need to bring with them? Let's start with that first. Well, they should have bear spray with them. Mm-hmm. If it's a family that's really um, active with firearms and know how to use it correctly and have the right firearm, that can be taken in some places and can be reliable. But bear spray offers some safety as, uh, aspects that firearms don't, but really have some form of protection. I really think that's crucial especially if you have children and sit down with children and tell them what is a wild animal, explain that to them, that sometimes they bite, sometimes they can bump into you. You don't want to get close. You don't want to go follow them. You don't want to interact with them. And mom and dad need to know if they see a bear or if they see another big animal that that's in the area. Absolutely. Absolutely. Clean up the campsite to make sure nothing's there to attract it. Oh, I love that. I'm all about that. <laughs> I think it's great to get kids as invo- involved as possible in setup and cleanup. So that's absolutely, that's a great conversation to have as you're cleaning up and as you're setting up about how you make your campsite as safe as possible. So maybe you can give us a few tips about that. We have our bear spray and I do want to go back to the bear spray and, and hear a little bit more about what you, what types well, of bear spray. Um, Check out our video on deploying bear spray. And one Mm -hmm. important point is, yes, there is the term bear spray, but not all bear sprays are equal. Make sure you purchase a bear spray that sprays for at least seven plus seconds and goes at least 30 plus feet. That can be important in some situations. It can make the difference from being protected and not being protected. Some of the bear sprays I'm real disappointed in. They only spray for four seconds. They only go 15 feet. This is totally inadequate. So to make sure you're buying a quality bear spray from a store like REI, somewhere you know, that handles quality equipment. And that seven plus seconds, that 30 plus feet is the minimum standards I have. Some of the other ones, such as being pre-mixed before it goes in a can, you can't tell, I know from doing research, but it's not really readily available research that most consumers have access to. But that makes the difference between some bear sprays working and others not. We've had numerous people who said the bear ran right through the cloud. Well, it wasn't pre-mixed. It could be it didn't have enough ingredients in the beginning, and so the bear made it through. Um, or they sprayed over top of the bear, which means their instructions on holding the can was incorrect. You really need to grasp the can firmly and direct a bear spray downward. Bears charge with their head low and close to the ground. So it's important that you don't aim at the face. You direct the spray. Aiming takes too long to do. You spontaneously direct the spray towards the charging bear 
So the path it's coming in is covered with the bare active ingredients, capsaicin and related capsinoids, and that will stop the charge in most cases. Sometimes though, the bear is real close and you don't know it, you still might go down. When you go down, spray the area you're in, you're gonna get covered too. Um, but make sure the bear does not want to stay there and further its contact with you. Or you have a partner down and you want to spray both of them and the bear will leave, your partner will need a little help afterwards because of the active ingredient. So talk to me a little bit about those active ingredients. What does it do to the bear and what does it do to humans? It shuts down both in bears and humans um, the ability to breathe deeply and exhale uh, fully so the bear can keep oxygen in its heart muscles and further its charge or contact. The nasal pas passages swell, uh, the throat swells, the lungs uh, lose their capacity to carry oxygen, um, and the bear is really disabled from seeing and even hearing. They use all their senses when they're charging. And it literally shuts down those senses and that bear has to stop and regain its uh, ability. And that takes about an hour. Interesting, numerous bears that have been sprayed have been observed afterwards and they stopped being aggressive as well. Oh, uh, they interesting. just lay there or eat grass or whatever. Oh, wow. That is very interesting. I wouldn't stay around where there's been an aggressive bear. Yeah, that's a really good, definitely don't want to hang around with an, where there's an aggressive bear. Because if that bear spray wears off, then of course, you know, they could, they could easily come back. Um, okay, so when you're spraying the bear, let's say, let's say you have a bear charging at you. How long do you spray for? Do you just do like a quick warning shot or, and I know from, I know the answer from your video, but I wanna make sure our listeners hear this. This is crucial because many people who do bear spray training are not qualified or given out what I consider to be false and misleading information. They'll say, do a short burst. And the reason I'm saying that is the product they represent only sprays for a short amount of time. I buy something that has adequate spray duration and spray distance, and I continue to spray and continue the holler no or stop. Those are my two favorite words. And yes, bears know what those words mean. They also can read the facial expressions that come with it, the body language that comes with it. And all that leads to the bear stopping its charge and redirecting its uh, efforts to get away from you. When that happens, that's when I stop spraying. Some people say, well, you're gonna run out of bear spray. No, I have two cans and the group I'm with, other adults have other cans. So I really believe in stopping that charging bear. Don't do a test spray to see if the bear is gonna stop and then respray. You just mathematically do not have adequate time to restart spraying again. So spray until the bear stops and the bear retreats. The bear stops and the bear retreats. That retreating is very important because I heard you say in one of your videos that a charging bear can reach you within two seconds if they're 60 feet away, is that right? Mathematically, 1.4 seconds from 60 oh. feet. 
this is quick. This is 30 miles an hour. In the case of grizzly bear, their body is designed to launch them right from a standstill position to almost full speed immediately. They're a predator. They chase down deer and elk. Um, so they're really, really fast. So it's crucial that you spray and continue spraying until that bear has stopped. Absolutely. Okay. So I think this is really good. So when a charging, when you see a bear charging at you, you spray. And so because you need to have such a short, there's such a short duration before that bear can reach you 1.4 seconds at 60 feet away. It's amazing. It's yeah. absolutely important going back to the preparation, preparing ahead of time, you know how to use that bear spray. Cause it's not just a point and shoot. You have to pull back and yeah, you, you elaborate on this. <laughs> curled up lip and pull it off a lot of the trainers say pull back on a safety clip and that does not always work because sometimes that pushes the safety clip on harder the thumb goes in front of the curled lip and for some reason they just don't want to say that but that's how it was designed to come off and that's how it was designed how it was meant to be said to tell people to get it off and the whole thing needs to be spontaneously the bear spray will come out in a expanding cone-shaped cloud. That's why another reason why you don't have to aim. That's taken care of with that cloud. The downward is important because the bear is low to the ground and holding the can firmly so it doesn't tilt up and spray over top of the bear is real important. Um, putting that yeah. cloud in front of the bear, it'll get it on its eyes, nose, mouth, ears, as it runs into the cloud. You don't have to put it there. The bear will put it there. You just have to put the cloud in front of the bear. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, absolutely. So you just, you don't have to aim, which is a relief. <laughs> That's right. All that time you lose trying to figure out how to aim, you've now used to deploy your bear spray and stop the bear. Exactly. That's so, so good. So what about, uh, so we have a lot of families who listen to this podcast. What about families with younger kids? I mean, I myself have a three and five-year-old. How young do you teach people how to, how to use bear spray and how to protect themselves? And what would you say to families with younger, with younger kids who might not be ready to have bear spray on their own yet? Cause I can imagine you don't want to give it to young kids. When they get around eight or nine, they should know how to have backup ability to use the bear spray. Um, when I have a camp with kids in it, we put bear spray in the center of the camp in case someone without bear spray needs a can as an emergency. And also at night, it's by my pillow, by my flashlight, ready to use if I need to. Now in the tent, unlike outside of a tent, I do a short burst if a bear is trying to come through the side. I've never had that happen but you're in an enclosed space, so you do not want to have a prolonged spray, but you want to have the can with you when you leave that tent in case the bear hasn't ran off. It's not uncommon, by the way, for bears to come through camps, um, talking with the biologists that I work with and so forth. They're often telling the bears to go away and yelling at them through the tent wall. And bears will come down and sniff around and leave. Um, they really want to be left alone and not have a confrontation too. But some do, some are uh, unable to feed correctly and they're desperate for food or the tent or sleeping bags may have food odor on them they're familiar with and they try to get in the tent. So these things do happen. 
And people, unfortunately, this is a warning for all parents with kids, are starting to feed bears again. There is no excuse for ever feeding a bear. That makes for a dangerous bear down the road. Not all of them attack people, but that's the number one cause of human-bear conflict is human food being available for bears. Oh my goodness. And I can imagine that a lot of times families or or campers, they don't always intend to feed bears. I'm sure there are people who do intend to feed bears and that's obviously wrong, but then there's other people who don't intend to feed bears. Yeah. So what would you say in terms of setting up the camp? What are your pro tips for setting up a camp so that bears don't want to eat? So you have your food out when you're ready to eat it. And when you're done eating, you pack it back up. It goes in the trunk of the car or the trailer um, or you hang it from a pack from a tree. Uh, so it's at least 10 feet off the ground. And believe it or not, even though bears can climb trees, both grizzlies and black bears, um, they'll leave it alone. They just don't like the extra work if it's a wild bear. If it's a problem bear, it might go up there and try to get it down, but usually won't. Interesting. Uh, so when, what would you say, let's say you're out at camp and you spot a bear. What are those warning signs that you're watching for? Because do you immediately want to say, yell and make the facial expression that you know that you mean business and get out your bear spray and yell no, or are there I'm warning gonna, signs? I'm going to set up two different scenarios. If you're in a campsite, ask yourself, is the bear passing by or is the bear just grazing or eating berries nearby? And just kind of study the bear. Is this a bear trying to work its way in closer to us? Or is it a bear just happens to be here for a while? And I would make note of that bear and watch its behavior. If I'm hiking, um, first of all, I've been letting the bear know I'm there. And contrary to what some people say, I believe in calling out, projecting your voice with how you're doing, coming down the trail, some words like that, so the bear can hear that we're coming down the trail and be aware of us. The bear doesn't always leave because you're there. It may in many cases, but not always. So as you have the encounter and see the bear, I switch to, oh bear, hey bear, to get its attention, to let it know we're human, And I do that in a non-threatening, non-yelling or screaming voice. Just how you doing? We're here. It's a nice day. Even say stuff like that. I really believe the sounds that come with those kinds of words do not represent a threat to bears. And that bear um, may just go about what it's doing. Then you have to figure out how to get by it safely as, as far away as possible but never approach, never think a bear is so passive looking that you can approach it. Um, Bears can change their behavior extremely fast without any warning. So it's important to maintain that distance, um, a retreat, uh, let the bear get out of the area, then proceed on. They used to say, um, go back to where you came. Well, if you just finished a five day hike, and it's going to take five days to go back. <laughs> you can't really just do that. You got to figure out how to get by that bear with the greatest amount of distance. And I want to make sure that bear knows that I'm there. I don't hide from bears. If I see a bear, I talk to it. And I've had a lot of close encounters with bears. 
some are my fault because I didn't study the terrain well enough. Um, but I've been charged five times where I've used the bear screw. And mm -hmm. that worked every time. And I have it out. I have it ready. And in the case of seeing a bear, it's in my hand with the safety clip off. I'm not right. spraying the bear because there's no confrontation. I'm trying to figure out how we're going to get out of the situation without a dispute. Interesting. And fun to watch. Bears are amazing. I've never seen two bears that I consider the same. They fish differently. They sleep differently. They play with their cubs in different ways. I remember one time in Yellowstone, late in the evening, and the moon was coming up. And someone said, you got to see this. I looked through the spotting scope. And he had it on a mother and two bears. And she was standing upright. And the cubs were standing upright with their paws outstretched. And they're holding hands. In, and I swear they were dancing. Oh, dancing. that's so sweet. And it was so fantastic. They were playing. They were just practicing their paws and movement this way and that way. Just like you do with kids to get them up and about. And uh, it, it bears learn just like our kids learn. And they learn differently and different things from different moms. Absolutely. Oh, that's so, so sweet. And also it goes back, back to what you were saying that it can be so tempting to just want to go and give them that teddy bear hug because they do seem so sweet, but never I approach have, them. I have that problem. <laughs> I, don't do, I don't do that. But one time in Alaska, and this is the first time I've talked publicly about this. I was observing uh, bears at McNeil River, Alaskan brown bears, and I'm sitting in a chair in the lower section with three young kids from Germany on my left, and a big, about 800-pound brown bear came out of the bushes about 40 feet away. And we had a little body language and a little looking at each other, and I knew something was up, and I wasn't sure what it was. And uh, she walked eventually right next to me and just a second let me get rid of that <laughs> no problem phone um so she's about 10 feet away and i just ignored her and looked the other way and next thing i know she's three feet away and she sits down next to me and starts nursing her cubs not more than three feet away Oh my goodness. And I did the only polite thing you could do in that situation is I stood up and said, I don't feel comfortable here. I'm going to move farther away. And I had the three kids move first. And then I was kind of like their safety guard. And then I moved away. And she did nothing. She just looked at me. It was fine. And oh. but the reason she came to me wasn't because as a certain individual, everyone should look up Timothy Treadwell and know that Timothy Treadwell was not honest with what he was doing. Um, he always said the bears knew that he was a nice guy, friendly, and wouldn't hurt them. No, the bears come up by the people viewing the other bears because that's the safest place to be with their cubs. Because no most of the other bears don't go up there. That's very interesting. It was a great experience. Um, but if I had stayed, let's say a coyote, a wolf, uh, something scared her. She would strike out at everything close to her cup, including me. So for me to stay there would be foolish. Absolutely. But what a gift of an experience to have had that. And everything was good, but also you made the absolute right decision to 
say, okay, I had this experience. We're going to go back away because like you said, you understood anything could change in a moment, especially with those bear cubs. I have to tell you, we, um, we also had a woman guide that leads 10 people to the viewing place. And she was standing above me one layer up with a uh, large shotgun. So there, there was support and protection there other than just me and my mm-hmm. bear spook. Um, and it's a unique place where bears and people uh, don't commingle, but they have accepted some of some territory between the two. Oh, that's nice. That's really nice that you, we can have some of that. Focus on fishing. <laughs> and if you know people that fish, it's hard to get them distracted. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Very nice. Well, we have somewhere here in Arizona, which is where I don't try, I don't RV full-time or camp full-time, but we camp as much as we can. And one of the places we love to go is called Arizona. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. I know you've been recognized by the Arizona um, wildlife, but Arizona is actually a place where you drive through. So the bears are wild, but then you drive through or quote unquote wild. They're not in a cage or like, like you would see in a zoo. So you're able to drive through where they're living and it's absolutely fascinating. So we have seen them up in the trees. Like you said, even though they don't climb to go get food up in the trees, they do climb the trees. And so that's been really fun. Or they'll walk right in front of your car. And it is nice to have that safety shield between us of the car. And you know, the windows are all up and everything. Yeah, exactly. But I can only imagine. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, you brought up Arizona, and one of my fatalities that I've studied, I was in Arizona, was a woman who went out to her dumpster, and a bear was in the dumpster, and she was mauled and died from the infections about 30 days later. Um, Dumpsters are the same as if there was a dead animal near the trail. Be really careful around community dumpsters places where bears might go, where bears might not be seen because they're on the backside or something like that. And I'm hoping someday we'll wake up and all the dumpsters that bears can climb into are gone. And they're now bear resistant dumpsters. And we stopped the feeding of bears around the country. And as a safety note, it starts at home with your kids. Walk the yard with them. Tell them that if they run into a snake, they don't just pick it up. They tell you about the snake and you look at it together and um, make sure your yard is well manicured. There's no brush piles along the edge with snakes and reptiles and even bears can hide behind. Um, That's crucial to get them a feeling of awareness to know what's going on around them and around their own yard. Then you take that to the summer home or to the campground or to your experience when you're hiking down the trail what's going on behind me, what's going around uh, in the bushes ahead. And if the trail gets really dense or goes down a hill um, or around the bend, you can't see, stop and listen carefully for sound and smell. There's a real pungent smell, such as a dead animal or a bear, they often stink. Um, Stop and call out, make sure the bear knows you're there before you enter the the area of not not very good visibility and do it cautiously and just be aware of your surroundings. That's so important and can eliminate so many sudden encounters, those kind of actions. 
So at night, it's a little bit harder to be aware. I'm thinking about, you know, tent campers and if they have to use the restroom at night and they, they need to go out of their tent, it can be a little bit harder to see. So do you recommend at night just having that conversation, making yourself known, just talking or how would you? Yeah, I don't hike at night. I don't wander around outside of the campground much at night. And I have a flashlight with me if I need to go to the bathroom or the toilets in a campground or something like that. And I'm very aware of my surroundings. Okay. So if you, you know, I have, uh, I'm sometimes a little overreactive to being safe in bear country, but it happens every year, millions of times over and over again, year after year. And the same thing happens. People and bears encounter each other and nothing goes wrong. That's true. That is true. And that's good to remember that. Let's, we'll wrap up on that note because I think that's really good, but you have given us so many great takeaways and you've helped me to be more prepared. I know I'm certainly going to have a conversation. We've definitely talked with our kids about snakes and reptiles, and we've seen plenty of them here in Arizona. We live kind of on the outskirts uh, in Arizona, but having the bear conversation before, while you're setting up camp, before you leave, while you're setting up camp, while you're at camp. And I think while you're also cleaning up from camp, just to continuously remind them and teach them to be aware of their surroundings is so valuable and to know what to do if you do see a bear. It's been so, so great talking to you. I'm absolutely going to link you your YouTube video. Is there anywhere else we can find you and continue to learn more about this? Now, our uh, website, BeBearAware.org, and our YouTube channel under Be Bear Aware has all kinds of information. And just remember, bears actually work, and I've seen this uh, in the wild, uh, trying to avoid us. I watched a mother bear lead her cubs across several busy trails, and she would sneak up to the trail and make sure no one was there. And then the cubs would run by her, then she would scoot after them. And when she got to the road, the cubs stayed in the bushes and she got up on the road and looked left and looked right and made sure there was no one there and had the cubs run by her. They worked really hard to avoid us and try not to be seen by them. Oh, well, that's very sweet of them. It's nice when we can see them from a safe distance though. And so it's beautiful to hear these stories. I absolutely love to hear all of your stories from out exploring and adventuring and um, what, a, what great takeaways. So thank you so much for joining us. It's been fun and I really appreciate it. And if something comes up during the summer, give us a call again. Absolutely. Thank you again. Okay. Wow. Chuck had such great tips for us. And so let's just quickly recap all the great information that he gave. First of all, Chuck is an advocate for bringing bear spray or a firearm if you are very carefully trained on using a firearm. But bear spray is his, his choice tool. And he says that you need to make sure that you find the best bear spray. So find one that sprays for at least 30 feet, will spray for seven seconds, and is pre-mixed. That's going to give you the best protection and deploy the largest and strongest cloud to stop that bear. If you are attacked, it's important that you spray until the bear retreats. Don't spray a warning spray because you're not going to have enough time. Those bears jump quickly. Also, don't try and aim. Just spray and the bear as because the bear is going to charge at you head down and that spray will go in a big giant cone cloud and will go close to the, enough to the ground that the bear is going to aim himself. And so don't have to worry about aiming. 
while you're spraying, it's really important that you yell and you use your, use your facial expressions to show that bear that you mean business. Yell no or stop and do it loudly and forcefully so that bear is more likely to retreat. Also, remember when you're setting up camp to do so appropriately. Put your food at least 10 feet high up in, the, in a tree. When you're eating in bear country, just eat and then pack it all back away. And when you're cleaning up to leave, make sure you don't leave anything behind. This is a really fun way to get your kids involved too, by the way. Remember ultimately that these bears, they don't want to attack. They're not there looking for us. They want to stay far away as well. Chuck had some amazing stories at the end about how gentle bears can be when they're just left alone. So if you ever see a bear when you're out hiking or you're camping, keep a safe distance, but also be very, very aware of your surroundings and what that bear is doing. Make sure you have your bear spray handy and the safety is off, especially if you see that bear and you're ready to go just in case they take that 1.4 seconds to charge at you. You want to make sure you're as safe as possible. I highly, highly encourage you go and look at his YouTube channel or go to their website, which is all linked to in the show notes. And make sure you tell us what you've taken away from this episode. There's so much great, valuable information. I would love to hear. If you found this valuable, go onto Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And I would be so, so grateful if you were to leave a review to help others find information just like this. Thank you and happy camping.